0: Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano and it's January 19th. Welcome to today's podcast episode. So it looks like January will be in our rearview mirrors in a blink of an eye I hope you're all well out there. And I've been busy myself with new clients over the past 30 days onboarding them. And with most things that I do, I take advantage of video and I do things like a walkthrough of a project or my thoughts on the project or expectations of what we're doing and where we're going. I'll record a video here and there and send it to people. And it's during that downtime. A lot of times if you provide an online service. There's a gap between when you get started on a project and when you get to a certain point in it and people are looking for what you've done and how you're putting things together. And I just find that keeping those channels of communication open and regular, even if you're just using a short video to do that, is really something that clients really love and they really appreciate. So if you provide an online service recognize that, yeah, you may be involved in the project, but much of the work that you're doing is taking place behind the scenes where they can't see it. And I've learned over time, as I was saying, to use short videos. What do I mean by short? Well, some of them are just a few minutes. Some of them are five minutes. And I keep the client in the loop with how things are going. And I also share thoughts and ideas that I'm having along the way. So this is something you can very easily do with your own business. I've been using Camtasia Studio for years to do this, but basically all you're doing is you're recording your screen. This isn't something that I put slides together for like a formal presentation. These thoughts and these recordings are very informal. They're very casual. And, uh, you know, I prefer recording my desktop over what some people might call a talking head type of video where you're looking into the camera and talking to someone. And not only do I tell people what I'm doing, but I'm showing them what I'm doing by using the uh, recording the desktop type of approach to doing this. And then after I make these videos, I take the one final step now before I upload them as unlisted to YouTube. I upload them as unlisted instead of private. And this way, I don't have to create a password for a client to view a video, because if you're going to create a password, unless the information is really that sensitive, in most cases, I'm going to say it's not, then that's just another thing that they have to do, another piece of information they may lose, and just another extra step in the process that I really don't see as necessary. When you share the link of an unlisted video, only the person with the link is going to see the video. But, you know, that's really up to you. But as I was saying, I take a one final step now that I never used to do before, and I edit the videos a little bit more. And uh, I think that taking a few extra minutes maybe to edit the video, and it's really not a time-consuming type of thing to edit a, a five-minute, let's say, video. It just provides a better overall experience to the viewer, and it goes a long way towards creating a much better impression of you. So for example, if I'm recording a screen and I'm moving maybe from one tab to another, or I'm clicking on a link and it's taking several extra seconds to load, I'll edit that lag time out of the final video. And also I take the time to zoom in on an element sometimes on a page and make a few comments about it. And then I'll zoom out before moving on to talk about whatever else I'm going to talk about. And that just makes it a little bit easier to sometimes explain something, to show something, to point it out. And also I'll remove as much of the dead space as possible in the video as a whole. So the entire video gets right to the point. Sometimes I'll even edit an entire section out because as I go through the recording, I sometimes find that I add details that are just in retrospect, a little bit unnecessary or really not necessary at all. And then like I said, I'll upload it to YouTube, send the link to them, email it to them. I'll always add a few comments, of course, inside the email as well as sharing the link. And, and that's basically it. This kind of communication, believe it or not, is almost unheard of in the digital agency or the freelance world as a regular normal thing. And one seven minute video, for example, that I recently sent out easily replaced, easily a half a dozen back and forth emails, or worse yet, text messages. So in the big picture, whether we like it or not, we're all in the communication business on top of whatever products or services we sell in the online world. All right, before I go any further, I have an announcement to make. I'm happy to announce the soft launch of my brand new newsletter. It's called the Digital Strategist Newsletter. And I haven't published a newsletter of any kind in a really long time, and honestly, I wanted to have some fun with it. So that's why I'm calling it a soft launch. So if you're already on my mailing list, you'll get the first issue very shortly. Or if you're in a hurry, go directly to jimsnewsletter.com. That's www.jimsnewsletter.com and download the first issue right now. If you're a solopreneur, freelancer, small business owner, this newsletter is being published with you and mine. It's available at jimsnewsletter.com. That's Jim'snewsletter.com. It's the new home of the Digital Strategist newsletter. All right, today I want to talk a little bit about paid advertising in general, Facebook advertising more specifically, and I'm not really a huge fan about talking about at least paid advertising, and the reason is is because like a lot of subjects, it's such a it's such a big topic. And people really break down the minutia of how they believe you should be placing ads, creating ads. There's courses on how to do this on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and all of these. And some of them are very expensive. Some of my friends have made some of the bigger courses out there, and I've taken them myself just to see their angle on putting ads together. And I think like a lot of things, like marketing in general, creating ads has been made Maybe a little unnecessarily complicated. Not that it can't be a vast topic, but I'm talking about placing ads for the average person. It's one thing if you're going to open up an ad agency and you have to know the ins and outs of every kind of ad and all of the different strategies that go into placing ads and when to use certain techniques and when to not and how all of the tracking works. I understand that's a huge topic, and if you want to get into that, that's different from what I'm talking about today. I want to talk about how the average business owner can use ads themselves. In other words, run your own simple ad campaign, because if you can't run a simple ad campaign, it's a given that you're not going to be able to run a complex ad campaign. And so when you have something that has so many different options and variations in front of you, it's like any other topic. You can get lost in the, in the weeds and just spend months or even years in a classroom-type setting, never being quite ready to do it in the real world because you have all of this endless amounts of data coming at you from all these different directions. You have all of these different viewpoints, and you, you know where I'm going with this. So I want to make it very simple to help you get started with ads and talk about things maybe that not everybody talks about when we talk about this subject. So paid advertising, let me start by saying this, paid advertising doesn't work for many people, especially people that are newbies in the area. And I placed my first ads, I'm not even talking about the online world now, I'm going back, I placed my first paper and ink ads right after I got out of college, and back then, One of the big things happened to be around the topic of placing classified ads, making money, selling things, placing small classified ads. There used to be shows on TV in which they would sell or pitch products, infomercials as they were known. And uh, I don't watch regular TV anymore, really. I haven't had a regular connection beyond just streaming things like um, Netflix and basically how everybody else does it. You know, you just stream these different networks, HBO Max, what are some of the other ones, the Stars Network, even Hulu. I really didn't spend that much time with that service, but you know, you just stream all these different services. That's the way I've been doing it for over probably 15 years now. I haven't had just a regular subscription to a local cable company. Everything's been internet. But, um, so I don't know. Do they still have infomercials on? They used to have infomercials on late night TV. I guess there's probably a channel just dedicated to that kind of thing, but they were very popular. And I bought some of the courses and I actually got to know one of the people from the early days, from the 1970s, he was a mail order guru. And so I learned a lot about placing ads, but I have to be honest with you in complete transparency most of the knowledge that I had versus the results that I got, was, it was just lopsided. I knew how to do all kinds of things on paper. I had almost a photographic memory when it comes to certain topics. And, but when it comes to what you know and what you can produce out there in the real world, it was hugely lopsided for me. And, and my ad adventures in the early days failed big time. And now, when I look back at it, I think that part of the reasons why I studied this the topic so much was because I was so intimidated by all of the information that was out at the time. And when you think about it, what's a classified ad? You know, if, if you're really young and you know you're not used to <laughs> newspapers and how they work, you know, classified ad is just basically what you see in the classified ad section minus the photos on uh, Facebook. So there's like a local classified section where people have you know, the pictures and several lines of text talking about what they're selling and a little bit of information, then your contact information. And that's what it was like, but it didn't have the photos. And they were in the, you know, the daily newspapers, classified ads. Then you had classified ads in magazines. But like I said, I had so much knowledge. If you actually sat down and listened to me talk at the time, I could have probably written a book on classified ads a simple book, but yeah, I could have written a guide on how to do it back then. But like I said, there was a disconnect between what I knew and what I was able to produce in the real world. And so that's what you don't want to happen with basically whatever you're doing, but especially with ads. You don't want to get to the point where you're always studying, always buying, and uh, never doing. So I placed my first ads when I got out of college, and the challenge back then was it was kind of a shotgun approach unless you were going to place an ad in the magazine which was of course a lot more expensive but my basic thinking then was that the more people that i get this ad in front of the better chance that i'll have to sell more of my product and so that's how i approached ads it was just a numbers game the larger the number of people that saw the ad the higher my sales volume would go. But it didn't happen that way because the reality of the situation was a lot more different than I was aware of. And so I kept on hitting down this line and yeah, I tried little tricks on changing headlines, changing offers and things like that. The advertising campaigns that I did kind of flopped. All right, they did flop. But uh, advertising campaigns around the world flop all the time. And, And money is invested in promoting a product or service, right? And then the return on the investment just isn't there. And that happens in every niche and in every market. So if you're just starting out, or you haven't been in business a long time, you're going to hear all kinds of reasons why something fails. For example, the marketers might tell you that they had a poor marketing plan. The copywriters might tell you that the headlines were bad or the copy was poor the designers and others will all point to different things. Think about it this way, as as a nice connection, as a correlation. Think about the stories that you've heard about movies that bombed at the box office that cost a small fortune to make. Movies that had top actors, top set designers, all of these expensive special effects, well-known director, and more. Plus, on top of that, they have a marketing machine in place and still, having all of those factors, all of those boxes checked, the movie still bombs at the box office. Because for whatever reason, the audience just doesn't respond the way those who run the entertainment industry and the people that produce that movie anticipate it. it they just don't respond the way they had hoped. And, you know, sometimes when it comes to an audience response, now think about this. You can put all of these things aside. You can put the marketing aside, the copywriting, the designing, all of that. You can push all of that to the side when it comes to answering the question, why did something fail? And all of those things may be legitimate, but sometimes it goes even beyond those things. Let me give you a good example of this. The original Star Trek was a TV series and it was canceled after three seasons back in 1969, was its third season. And not that long ago, I watched a documentary about this, and they were talking about how when they approached the third season, the ratings were so low that they were changing it to an even worse time slot. Now, somebody may say, well, it was just the time slot, but it was really, it just didn't matter. When you look at the picture, if you know marketing, you know advertising, you have a little bit of experience with it, and you listen to the people who were there at the time tell the story about how this show was going. Things got so bad in the third season that Gene Roddenberry, the creator, who decided that if his story was going to be on TV, he insisted on having a creative role, on being able to rewrite parts of the script that they were used and review everything before it was filmed, before it was finalized. That was the agreement that was made with him. And even at the third season, things were so bad that he just stepped back. He just kind of cut ties he stopped uh, reviewing scripts and all of that and the show just petered out in 1969 and you know he blamed it on the time slot and there was just a lot of people everybody was blaming it on something but one person made the comment that the audience just for whatever reason wasn't ready and i think that sometimes when something doesn't work it's so important for the people involved in the project to assign blame and usually it's to assign blame to someone other than themselves over why something doesn't work. But the, the simple reason is there, something that we don't really talk about too much or we don't like to talk about is sometimes the audience or the market just doesn't want it for reasons that you'll never really understand at the time. And people don't like to admit that they don't understand something. So they'll make up a reason why, even if that's not the reason why. Isn't that true? Aren't people like that? they'll never just say, well, we don't know. They'll point to something. It's just human nature. However, when the reruns began to appear, the syndicated reruns, the popularity of the show, now we're talking about two, three years later, the popularity of the show just exploded and the rest was history. And so as some people have stated the audience of that time just wasn't ready. I, and timing, I think, has more to do with success and failure than a lot of people will admit. And they don't like to admit it because you only have so much control over timing. You only have so much understanding how timing plays into it. It's not 100%. You're either on time or you're maybe you're too early, as in this case with Star Trek, or you're too late. Because think of some of your favorite maybe bands or some of your favorite shows of the past. Would they have made it if they came into being in twenty twenty two? Or you know, I even go back with athletes. I used to think would a would a great fighter from nineteen fifty be as successful in twenty twenty two? And there's a lot of debate about that, but the the reality of the situation is is that timing is something that we don't have control over. Sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong. And let me just bring this back to what does all this have to do with placing ads? If you're a newbie to the ad world, you may think that, and not even be conscious that you're thinking this way, you may place a lot of emphasis on understanding the mechanics behind creating and placing successful ads, creating and managing successful ad campaigns and that your success or your lack of success will be directly correlated with your understanding of how these mechanics of an ad system, that whichever ad system you're using, works. So Facebook ads or Instagram ads is an example of this. And most of the time, people approach this like they're gambling in a casino. There really isn't a strategy behind what they're doing. The strategy is basically the reason why you're doing certain activities and why you're doing them in the order you're doing them in. So most people think about an ad from a few different angles. Maybe they look at the graphics they're going to use, they put a lot of emphasis on that. And they think about the words or the offer and what's coming, what's connected with that. All of those things are important. And then they put these things together and they decide on a budget for their ad campaign and the ad campaign is underway. And they approach Facebook ads, Google AdWords, and other types of advertising platforms this way. But when you look at online advertisements, mechanically speaking, after a while, they all start to look the same. So you don't want to get lulled into that place where you're more or less going through the motions, creating an ad that sort of looks like everyone else's ad, sort of sounds like everyone else's ad relative to whatever it is that you're selling, because that's how it's done and that's what the mechanics of it looks like. What I'm suggesting is this, right up front, decide that you're going to have a simple, logical ad strategy in place, again, right up front, before you put a dime in into your ad campaign. In other words, you're not going to approach this like you're playing a slot machine in a casino, just patiently putting money in and then making adjustments as you go, doing the best that you can that way. But on the other hand, you're not going to approach this like maybe a master thief would when they're planning the theft of the Mona Lisa or the crown jewels or something like that, like you see in a movie. You don't want to get that complex either. You want to keep it simple, but you want to have that logical element there that you can easily identify. So instead, you're going to start by maybe asking some hard questions about the product or service that you want to sell if you haven't done that already. And I say hard questions because sometimes we just we assume a lot. If we have an idea that we really like or we have a product or service that we're really getting behind, sometimes we skip over some of the basics. And this brings us back to not marketing 101, but business 101. And for example, there was an episode in a series that I was watching on, I think it was on Showtime streaming network. It's called Billions, in which the main character in this episode is explaining to his wife why he can't put money behind her new business idea and venture. The character in the story is always in what you might call hustle mode. But during this scene, he stops, takes a long, hard look at his wife, and he says, What is it that you do that you're the best in the world at? You offer a formula you didn't invent, a delivery method you didn't invent. Nothing about what you do is patentable or a unique user experience. You haven't identified and isolated a market segment. You haven't truly branded your concept. So why would an investment bank put serious money into your business? And After he says this, the camera pans in on her face and she's just speechless. And then he leaves the room. So even though these are just characters in a story, all of the real world principles are there, meaning that oftentimes we don't take the time to look at our business from the outside looking in. We're just excited about what we see from the inside looking out. And the things that seem so obvious to us or to maybe our friends or our family, people that we've talked to about our business idea they're not obvious at all to the general marketplace that we want to grow this business in or that we want to sell this product or service in. So why are you a good investment? That's a question we all have to ask ourselves from time to time. What proof do we have to back it up? And believe it or not, sometimes even checking one of the boxes that the character said in that dialogue, something like a unique user experience, is all it takes to have a winner on your hands. And basically, we all start with zero proof of anything. Isn't that true? And then we build one step at a time. We think about what we're doing, and we think that it can work. We hope it will work. So we roll out whatever it is that we're building one step at a time. Now, if someone has millions at their disposal, like the characters in this show, or billions, I guess I should say, uh, but they have no real proof that their concept will work long-term, be a viable business... They're basically in the same place, it's just that they're there with more money, just like the people making the movie with the huge budget and it turns out to be a bomb. The only way we'll ever get any proof or validation around our work is to put it out there. And and that's true with everything. Everything else is just theory and guesswork. Even if it's educated theory and educated guesswork, it's guesswork all the same. So, back to how this fits into the topic of ads and Facebook ads this would apply to any platform, but let me just talk about Facebook for now. So why put money behind something before you have decent, measurable evidence that you have a winner on your hands? Maybe it's something that you really haven't thought about. That's why I'm talking about it now in more detail. You talk about certain topics on social media. You create content around those ideas and you gather some insight into whether or not others are interested in what you have to say or not you can do the same thing about whatever product or service you're considering advertising or put ad money putting ad money behind i'm talking about now sticking with your strengths. The thing that you're really good at, the thing that you're building a business around. Not just general stuff, not just posting so that you can get likes and shares and that so you become more visible. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but we're talking about in the context of the what leads up to a successful ad campaign. So you're sticking with your strengths, you're sharing that kind of information, and I have to say that in the earlier days of social media, people generally believed that. Just reaching out and getting your message in front of a lot of people was the answer to a lot of business problems. And, you know, that's kind of like a hit or miss. That's like playing the slot machine. If you play the slot machine hour after hour after hour, you know, the the percentages, the chances that you're going to hit, of course, are increasing. So every machine hits sooner or later. But we're not talking about that. And it's not that simple, of course. That's like saying that, when we're talking about if we can just get more and more people to see what we're doing, it's bound to hit. That's like saying that, well, you know, right now only my spouse hears me singing in the shower. If the whole world could hear me singing in the shower, then, you know, I'd make a great living as a singer. So people think that the problem, again, is they can't get their message in front of enough people. So but, you know, that's kind of like a dumb sounding analogy talking about singing in the shower and but that's just as dumb as to think that more traffic to your product or service will make it a winner so it all comes down to in the shower analogy right to the quality of your voice getting more people to hear it isn't going to increase the quality of of your voice so this is where as a platform facebook has as a good example, can help you figure out things on a smaller scale before you put money behind your effort in the form of paid ads. So for example, if you have a new product and you want to sell it, you hope people will enjoy it as much as you think they will, but you're not sure yet. So the first step would be to create a Facebook post where you're writing text or adding an image and seeing if there's any type of interaction around that post Maybe you can also, if you're comfortable, if you're doing a video, you're into video, you feel comfortable with that, you record a video showing the product or demonstrating it or talking about it. But if you know you don't want to use a video, that's fine. Images are fine too. And you can post that information on your business page first. But you can also share that same information, if other people allow you, wherever possible. I know that here, where I live in Sarasota, Florida, there's at least that I've counted 36, 37, 38, around 40, maybe business groups that are kind of sort of active. I know a lot of times everybody's just kind of posting their own thing there, but certain things do get traction. Sometimes it's an event. Sometimes it's a new product release. We're talking about all different kinds of products because there's all kinds of business groups out there. So whether you're B2B or B2C, it really doesn't matter. The idea is that if people are interested in what you're talking about, if they're responding to the images, the pictures, or the videos, whatever it is that you're creating, then what you're doing is you're actually getting some real-world feedback that that concept is going to have some momentum behind it. So, you know, publish the post on your business page first. It doesn't cost you a dime to do any of this. Publish it wherever else that they'll allow you to publish it and see how people are responding to it. And if you see things moving in a positive direction, then you can take the next step and turn that post into an ad. In other words, you don't have to create a separate ad. If people are already commenting on a post that you have on a business page, if they're already liking it. If they're already asking questions, if they're already you know putting the thumbs up and the smiley faces and the hearts and all of that stuff that people do, then you can go ahead and and turn that right into an ad right from there. All you have to do is go to the Facebook ads manager and the next step, you know, let me just read this to you right from Facebook. It says, use ad manager to create ads from published posts on your Facebook business page. So the first step is you go right to the ads manager and then you select create and you create your first campaign and ad set, which means that you name your ad and you choose a page to represent it. In this case, it would be your business page where you created that initial post. And then from the Ad Setup drop-down, you choose Use Existing Post, and then you click Select Post to open up the Select Post window, and then you can choose your post that you made right from there. Now, it goes on to say, if you decide to enter a post ID number, avoid using the post IDs you've copied from a URL instead find the post you want to advertise in the page post section and use the post ID that appears there. So that, yeah, that can be a little complex. I know not reading it like I am just hearing me talking about it, but uh, it's very simple. And then you you complete everything there inside the ads manager and you click publish. And, you know, people feel intimidated by creating ads, but they feel perfectly comfortable creating posts but if you think about it, a post and an ad, what do they have in common? A post has the same elements as an ad does. It has text and it has images and or video. And so if I wanna send someone to my landing page, let's say for example, then I would create the post, I would add the image to it. And if the post doesn't get any traction on my business page, or if the post doesn't get any traction where I'm you know, sharing it on other pages, then there's really no reason, at least how I'm looking at it, to put money behind it in the form of an ad campaign yet. Because just getting more people to see something that nobody or you know, if nobody's responding to the free version of it, why would they respond to the paid version of it? If they're not excited about what you're posting without putting ad money behind it. And this is one of the things I think where people make the wrong assumption that it's just a numbers game, like I said earlier. Like, well, you know, if I just can get more people to see it, people will buy it. And then it's not true. It just fails in a bigger way, like that expensive movie project. So, you know, you can go back then and you can create new posts with different offers, with different graphics, with using different words, different images, different offers. And if people do respond and you get some social proof behind it, Then you can slowly roll out, you can convert that into a Facebook ad. There's so many examples that show up in your newsfeed every day of what an ad looks like. It's really not a mystery. What's a mystery is when you look at it with a blank screen, starting from scratch and thinking, wow, what should I what should I say? But to avoid all of that, you can just start very basically, very simply, very logically by making posts first and then having those posts graduate into the ad category when they're successful you know i know people that now somebody might ask well you know facebook ads really aren't as simple as that they have questions like what type of ad should i set up it's more than just an image or a video or some text well in the context let's just stick with two ways to do it so if you want to send people to a landing page you want people to sign up for a webinar and you have a page for that or something like that. There's two basic let's call them experiment strategies that you can use. You can start with number 1, a links, a link clicks campaign. Okay, so that's a campaign that gets people to click on the link or I might choose maybe a website conversion campaign. One of those two I would start with. So we go from post that's somewhat successful to an ad And then we are going to choose as our type of campaign, a link click campaign, sending someone to a page, whether it's a landing page, a simple landing page, a more complex landing page, page to get someone to sign up for a webinar, anything like that, a link clicks campaign, or maybe a website conversion campaign, either one, maybe you test both, just start with one. Now I know people who have spent as little as five or $6 a day on a very simple two week campaign. Now think about that. If you're spending five or six dollars a day and you multiply that times 14 days, very worst case scenario, how much money do you stand to lose? Now a lot of people don't want to start with ads because they're afraid to lose money, but it's not like you have no control over how much money that you lose if you want to look at it that way. So I, I choose to see it as an investment because it is an investment. If you have some proof that there are people interested in that thing, you know, in, because you're already going to put the free information out there in the form of a free post that you create. So if people are responding to it, you have some proof that you're at least sort of, kind of on the right track. And so spending five or six dollars a day on a on a two week campaign. I mean, if you if you can't handle that, then I guess then. Facebook ads definitely aren't for you yet. But if you're willing to lose that amount of money and you know some of you spend money without even thinking about it on software that you never use, on uh, going out to eat for an expensive dinner, on, uh, you know, new pair of shoes that you really don't need. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why people just there's all reasons why people justify spending money. But if you look at it as an investment, And with a simple strategy, that's exactly what it is. It is an investment to move the needle on your business, to acquire some new clients or customers, or to, to sell more products. And if you get little wins, and you're going to get little wins with a $5 or $6 a day ad spend, then you can roll that money that you made from the sale of your products into bigger ads. In other words, you can snowball it from there. But it's all up to you. If you feel a little skittish on doing that, then you don't have to do that. You can just sit back and examine what you did, and then you could try it again with something else, or you could just keep on going. You, know, you just have to keep an eye on things. You can't just say, I'm just going to run a 30-day campaign, and we're going to spend X number of dollars per day, and then you forget about it. You know, That's, how, of course, how you would lose money because even the big campaigns, there's people that are closely monitoring the campaigns. So we're talking about getting started. And when we talk about getting started, we're also talking about keeping things very simple. So you don't get overwhelmed. So you can measure results and you can do all these things without risking a lot of money. The truth is you can build a business without investing a dime in any kind of paid advertising. If you have the staying power to grind it out, you can learn how to create content. You can build out an online platform. You can build a subscriber base. You can do all of those things. Ads, however, can do in 30 days what it would take others 12 months to accomplish. And so that's the other side of the equation. Ads can do the same thing, but it could do it even faster. And there's really no getting around that. And that's why I wanted to share thoughts with you today on paid ads and Facebook in particular, because it's one thing to choose not to do paid advertising because it makes logical sense to you and to your business type to keep on doing things the way you've been doing them. But it's another altogether to avoid paid ads because you're afraid or intimidated. And I know that no one likes to admit that they're afraid or intimidated. Okay, let me just be honest about that. But I can also be honest with you and say that I was just that in the past. I was intimidated by paid ads. I had a limited budget to work with, but doesn't everybody, there's no such thing as an unlimited budget. But even from my perspective, it was extra limited. And I just couldn't bear the fact of, or just thinking about the fact that I could lose all of this and not have anything to show for it. It just rubbed me the wrong way. However, knowing what I know now and understanding that it's an investment that has some kind of logic behind, in other words, it's not just gambling, creates a a totally different way of approaching this topic. So one last thing to remember is that whenever you hear people talking about case studies, I want to put this in here because this is really important, and they're showing you ad campaigns that have made millions of dollars, and there's a few questions you really need to ask yourself. And I understand why people show case studies, but consider this. Number one is the popularity of the brand. Whether we're talking about a person or a product or a service, when someone or something already has a following, already has a list of subscribers, already has a bunch of followers and a big customer base, they've been around for years maybe, the ad that you're seeing isn't doing the type of heavy lifting that a lot of newbies might think it's doing. In other words, all of those other things combined together, The existing customer base, the number of followers, the subscriber list, or the fact that they've been around for a decade or more. All of those things, plus the ad, are responsible for conversions, not just the ad itself. So we can take somebody, let's just take, let's use our own fictitious uh, use case here. Let's take a newbie copywriter or a newbie author, those two. If they base their ad copy, their ad design, Or mimic their offer or their call to action based on their favorite copywriter or their favorite author, the person that they look up to, that person who's already established or popular, do you think they're going to get the same results from their ad? I mean, it seems obvious, but these are things we never even think about sometimes when we're just getting started. These are things we don't consider until after we've had a little bit of experience. And so I'm bringing these things out today not to be a damper, but to kind of put what you're doing in a more realistic framework. That's why it's so easy to look at what other people are doing who are more established and get discouraged because you're not doing it the way they're doing it. And you can't. You're not them. You have a different life experience, but you don't have to be them to succeed. You don't have to. Everybody starts out all things being equal in the same place. Everybody starts out creating their very first product. Everybody starts out doing their very first marketing campaign. And how you learn is by how your audience is responding to you. You're not basing, you're not trying to walk in someone else's footsteps. The footsteps are great for teaching people how the principles work, but you have to take what you've learned and you have to use it in the the context of your own business. And so With the newbie author and the newbie copywriter, it's not to say that their ad is going to bomb because they don't have as many followers or they're not as established. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that a lot of times when people are promoting ad courses and teaching you how to do something that you've never done before, they're using these ultra-successful campaigns and these ultra-successful people as examples and showing it to people who are just getting started. And so the people who are just getting started have all of these great expectations going in, and then they're disappointed because they're not getting the same kind of result. Where if we looked at this right from the beginning, from a point of logic, we we could see and we could understand that, all right, well, I don't have 20,000 subscribers on my email list. I don't have 800,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel. I don't have a Twitter profile that's 15 years old and all of these things, but you don't need any of those things. You know that that's like the 20-year-old looking at where they are in their journey compared to a 40-year-old compared to a 50-year-old. Success is success relative to what you're doing. Enjoy your successes. If you always measure yourself by what The biggest and the baddest in the world are doing well of course you're always going to look like what you're doing is really not significant but I have to tell you that and this is something that I decided a long time ago if I could change one life at a time would it be worth the investment to do it change one life influence one person for the better would it be worth the time would it be worth the effort and i did that to counter those same thoughts that entered my mind back then thinking wow i'm not reaching anybody nobody's reading what i write so there's no discernable when there's no discernible advantage or difference between an unknown brand and a known brand people are usually more comfortable going with the known brand and the big brands and the big companies absolutely they can show us how the principles work but for us as individuals we can't be lazy. We have to invest a little bit of time into thinking about how we're going to differentiate ourselves from everyone else who's doing the same or similar things. We're going to think, have to spend a little time thinking about how we can clarify our own messaging. And maybe the only thing that we can offer that is truly unique is the user experience that someone gets by doing business with us. I mean, even something simple like I've done over the years, creating short videos that I send to people as we go through a process, as we go through a project to help them individually. Even something like that has created enough of a positive user experience for my own clients and has done enough to separate me from everybody else that's doing something similar to what I'm doing, at least in the eyes of my own clients, that I've been able to be in this game for over 20 years now. Something very simple, very small like that can have a huge impact. So don't think that you're going to have to differentiate yourself to the point that, you know, you create this jaw-dropping type of brand where as soon as people hear what you do or see how you do it, they're just going to, you know, you're going to need smelling salts to revive them. Now, that's not something that you have to shoot for. What I'm suggesting is that you already have enough uniqueness in your own personality type that if you... Put what you're doing through the true filter of your personality that you're going to see there's already some advantages that you have built in that are part of you that could be expressed a lot better than you're expressing them now. They could be expressed better in your copy. They could be expressed better in your design. They could be expressed better in the topics that you're talking about. The problem is, is that marketing in general today is basically pushing everybody in the same direction and puts more emphasis whether people mean to do this or not on conformity than it does on differentiation. So as much as people talk about differentiation or being able to show a a unique angle on something, if you look at the content, the content is always pushing towards conformity to one method or another so if we want to be seen as the better choice or as the better investment you have to be willing to think it through a little bit ultimately the market's response will always be the litmus test on how well we're doing that and if we need to make some improvements then we keep on experimenting we keep on making adjustments and we keep on learning how to do things better it's just like anything else most importantly you may as well learn to enjoy the growth process Because that's exactly what it is. It's a growth process. It takes some effort, but I can tell you this, it's absolutely well worth the effort. Okay, let's go ahead and put the bookmarker in it there. That's about all for today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you think it will help a friend, go ahead and share the episode link with them or you can send them to jimgaleano.com forward slash podcast. The link to all the episodes are there. So thanks again for listening. Have a great rest of your week and I'll talk to you later.